Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Vayigash, The Courage of Convictions. So can you think of a time in your life when you were given another opportunity to right a wrong that you had failed at at a different point in your life? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I can think of many, including some that are ongoing right now. Yeah, you know, right. there are, I, I think about relationships that uh, have gone astray that I've had the chance to fix and that I haven't always fixed. I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. We cause damage. We we lose touch with people and we get angry at people. And I'm thinking of some people in particular who I know that I need to do the work and, and repair the relationship. And I keep finding reasons not to do it. I think that all of us have these moments when we can right a wrong, but you have to have the courage of your convictions. You have to take responsibility and step up. And that's hard to do. I think it fits beautifully into our portion Vayigash because the word Vayigash means he came forward. And here we're talking about Judah, the, the son of Jacob, who failed his brother Joseph because at the time when the brothers had thrown Joseph in a pit, Judah could have confronted the brothers. Now, the brothers are, are pretty dangerous guys. They, they've already shown themselves to have a violent streak. What happened in that story is that Judah thought, oh, I'll finesse the situation. When they're not looking or when they've had time to cool down, I'll free Joseph from the pit. We'll just go on from here. But what he didn't count on was a uh, caravan of Ishmaelites coming by that these brothers sold Joseph to that caravan and off he went. So Judah could have saved the day, but because he wasn't willing to confront his brothers in the moment to take that risk, he failed. So now, fast forward, Joseph is now the grand vizier of Egypt. Joseph is in charge of the food distribution in a time of famine. And people are coming from outside of Egypt because the famine is hitting everyone hard, and Egypt is the only country that has food. These brothers are sent by Jacob, and Joseph, who in last week's portion has shown a real interest in Benjamin to find out that Joseph didn't know that he had a brother, or maybe he knew, but he wanted to know the fate of his brother from his same mother, Rachel, who died in childbirth. It's a really challenging story because Joseph wants them to bring Benjamin to him. And the sons know that it's ripping the scab off the whole issue of Joseph. And the thought that Benjamin would be lost to Jacob would be too much for the man. And the sons know this, and they're also dealing with their guilt of the past. And so now comes this moment when either they're going to give over Benjamin, who Joseph has set up this whole scenario, so that Benjamin will remain in the court of Pharaoh. And Judas comes forward to offer himself up instead of his brother. And this moment when Judah actually does what he should have done the first time. In this case, where Judah is confronting the grand vizier of Egypt, he's really putting his life in danger again. And this time, grand vizier could do a lot of things, do anything he wants. Judah does it anyway, and he takes responsibility in the moment, and it is 
kind of a remarkable moment. It's so powerful. It actually speaks well of Judah, who we've seen in not such good moments, like the moment with Tamar and, and all of the rest that we've talked about. But now he rises to the occasion, and we look to him as our namesake, Yehuda, were Jews, Yehudim, from the tribe of Judah. So it's powerful, don't you think? It, it's really powerful. And one of the things that struck me as you were talking about this is the challenge or the difference between standing up for something you believe in, in the world of politics or work, doing the same thing with your family, with the people you love, and how much more difficult it is sometimes. You, you look at even some of our greatest heroes, some of our great world leaders, and you see how courageous they were on the public battlefield and how much more difficult it was for them to show the same kind of courage in their personal lives, to stand up to their parents or to settle a conflict with their wives or to treat their children the way they would want uh, others to treat them. You know, sometimes the family emotions complicate our ability to think rationally and to, and to behave the way we want to behave. I think that's right. I think that's right. And there are different risks, right? Sometimes you can kind of be the hero in a public setting but when you go home, you're just the opposite. And it's hard to kind of step up and be that guy and be that person. And in this case, Judah is kind of going into himself where he has failed again and again and again. And now he has evolved and he's become that person. I think it's remarkable. I think it's a remarkable story that gives all of us a lesson about what you should have said to them, what should I have done? Why didn't I do it? And just letting it go and taking the risk and allowing yourself to be the person that you can be and that was needed in that moment. And I think that this goes back to something that goes back to kind of the Jewish mystical tradition, which teaches us that everyone in the world has a job, a role to kind of make God's world the world it can be. And you never know when that moment is going to arise. But when it comes, you have the chance to complete, help complete the world. You have a chance to do the right thing. And I think that that's a really interesting, powerful, and important idea to take with us, that this could be your moment. Will you seize it or will you let it go? And I think that that's, that's what Judah's teaching us. And what's striking to me here is that we're talking about somebody who's engaged at the, the highest levels of society, at power, uh, but also in a family conflict. You know, they're both important, like resolving these big, famous political issues at, at the highest levels are the things that get attention. But resolving the little conflicts that nobody knows about beyond your own family are important, too, if what you're saying is, is our guiding principle and that we are all required to try to fulfill our promise to God and behave as moral people. Consider our own society. Consider the risks that people have to take to stand up to others in a world where you can be not just in the moment be confronted, but also be eviscerated on social media. Right. You know, we're watching this on the right in our country, we're watching the Republican Party, you watch in the Democratic Party, you know, words like being canceled, right? What does that actually mean? You read something in the paper and you say, that guy's toast, right? Yeah, he's um, done, right. He's we done. Can, he's we done. can write him off completely because exactly. it's over he's for done him. Now. He's done, right. right? Or the person that gets up and says, well, now I understand that I shouldn't have done that. Come on. 
Who are you kidding? And so this is a moment where people are making the, the exact same decisions that surrounded Judah's decision. Am I going to stand up and take the risk or am I not? We've watched in the past couple of years military officials who have stood up and called out the president of the United States, and they've lost their jobs. We've watched them kind of tumble from power. People at some points have been denied their pension. There are all kinds of punishments. Politicians are getting death threats. For what? For taking a stand. And those death threats are designed to be a warning to anybody else who's going to take the role of Judah. And it's no better on the left either, where people are very afraid of being canceled or being shamed in some way. When do we stand up? When are we the guy or the woman who's going to take the role of Judah and confront someone and basically change history in its own way, or at least save the day? Uh, maybe I'm going off in the wrong direction here, but what I'm also interested in here is how difficult it is for people to stand up to their own families when it's not a public dispute, when it's, you know, an internal battle where it feels like, you know, you're going to upset the the architecture of your most intimate environment. Uh, you know, I think about this fascinating moment in the life of Martin Luther King when he's just beginning the bus boycotts in Montgomery and his house is bombed. And his father comes to uh, from Atlanta to Montgomery and says, I'm taking you and Coretta and the baby home. You know, we're done with this. It's not worth the risk. And here's Martin Luther King, who's willing to stand up to the Klan, who's willing to stand on his porch with the white police department and, and talk to the crowd and say, we will overcome, we will persevere, we will get through this. But he can't stand up to his father. He just walks away. He can't even engage in the discussion with his father. So he's capable of standing up to, to the, the public and the potential for assassination. But dealing with his own father is so much more difficult for him. He has to just avoid the conversation. And, and that, to me, is, is interesting here because um, what we see in this portion is also a family struggling to do the right thing. So in some ways, and I think this is a great point you're making, it's harder to deal with when it's your own family. Yeah, it's harder to take the high moral ground and say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for the public good. I know what's right, because you're also hurting someone you love who mm -hmm. disagrees with you. That's a great point. And yet, at the end of the day, change only comes when you're willing to take that stand. That's what defines us in our lives. Did you take the stand? Were you able to have the conversation with a family member? And King doesn't do it, and maybe he couldn't have done it but he does change history and he pays the price that his father feared most, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And really all throughout his career, his father was playing that same role saying, okay, enough, you can stop now. You know, you've done your part. Let someone else take over. In some ways it took more courage for him to disobey his father than it took for him to stand up to the screaming, angry white faces of these mobs he was facing. Well, thank you, Jonathan. This was a really interesting conversation. You've kind of opened our eyes to a different reading of Judah. There's a public persona and there's a family persona. And how do we balance them? And I think Judah is a good example of what we can do within our own families. Thank you.